today we are starting today we are starting a sermon series titled blessed are the dot 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 blessed are the dot 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 um before i continue i want to do a little informal survey raise your hand raise your hand if you want god to bless you raise your hand all right all right that's pretty much everybody it's pretty much everybody all right the exception of one or two people that maybe don't want to be blessed. I don't know. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> the, the reality is that who wouldn't want to be blessed? If you really think about it, who would not want to be blessed by God, right? But when you really think about it, like, what does it actually mean to be blessed? Because there's so many types of definitions for bless and blessings these days, right? I mean, when someone sneezes, you say... Right? Or when you run into someone or you're walking away from someone, you say, hey, God bless. God bless. On the way in, on the way out. You know, um, sometimes you eat a meal and you ask God to bless the food. But what does it really mean? What does it really mean? Sometimes we say that God has truly blessed me. We say things like, God has truly blessed me. And we mean it. We're not being sarcastic about the fact that he's blessed us. We say it. We mean it. Um, but what does it mean to say that God has, are we, say, are we simply saying that at this moment, I'm living comfortably? At this moment, I have what I need and I have what I want and therefore God has blessed me? Are we saying that maybe we suffer some hardships? And we realize that we never really suffered to the extent that some other people have suffered. And so we say, I'm blessed because of it. God has blessed me. But does that mean that the person in midst of suffering, does that mean that they're not blessed? Does that mean that if I'm going through some stuff right now, some trials, tribulations, some situations in my life at this moment, does it mean that I'm not blessed? It, uh, it seems to me that a really clear understanding of what it means to be blessed by God really seems to slip away from us. It slips away from us, especially in the days that we're living in. So what does it mean to be blessed? Oh, let me start my timer. Oh, man. It started at zero right now. You guys had an extra 30 minutes. I'm only playing. So what does it mean to be blessed? Well, God gives us, he gives us some ideas. Um, and if we're honest with each other, and honest about it, it's not the usual way <laughs> that we would normally seek blessings, the way he explains to us. For the upcoming weeks, we're going to be diving into the Beatitudes just one by one by one. And uh, I hope that you guys can commit to journeying through with us to see how it can truly change your life if we understand the words of Jesus, if we understand what he's saying, right? I mean, if Jesus speaks, it should, it should mean something. Like, it should mean something. Like, Bibles, they put it in red. 
Like, it's like, hey, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's like, pay attention to this. This is Jesus speaking. So I hope, I hope that, um, uh, that as we journey through together that it truly impacts our lives, right? Um, some have said that uh, this Sermon on the Mount was kind of like Jesus' platform. Like, this, this was it. Like, this was like the headliner. Like, he's done all the things, you know, he's miracles. We see miracles. We see um, the teachings. And we see, but they, some people have said that his, his Sermon on the Mount was like the headlining uh, event. The main, you know, just where he had a really ch- an opportunity to, to speak, to teach. And um, if you want to know what Jesus stood for, if you want to understand, right, this would help you understand who he is. So the word beatitude, it comes from the word beautify, beatify, which means to have supreme blessedness, supreme blessedness. So let's take a look at the scripture this morning, and we're going to look into Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 through 12. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 through 12. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the Blessed are those who mourn. He's switching it up on me right there. For they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Ah, that one's an interesting one, right? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Amen. So think about when we read this, we got to really think about what Jesus is saying. Jesus himself is saying who's blessed. If you want to know, like, who's blessed? Am I blessed? Are you blessed? Like, who, who are those that are blessed? And he says, this is who's blessed. The poor in spirit merciful, those that are mourning, the pure in heart, right? The meek, the peacemakers, hungry and and thirsty, the persecuted Christ followers, they are blessed. 1 Peter 3, 13 to 14, it says, and who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. 
and do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. So think about it. Think about this. You know, we see, we, like, do you guys consider yourself blessed when this is happening to you? When these things happen, what are we supposed to do? When you're feeling uh, persecuted, when, when you're poor, when, when, you're feeling, um, when you're feeling all these things, we, we're definitely not feeling blessed at the moment, but what are, we, what are we to do? And verse 12 is really simple. It says, rejoice and be glad. See, I already, I already, I already heard some mumbling. I already heard some mumbling in the crowd. Rejoice and be glad. Um... I, I don't know about that. I mean, I'll, I'll go on a limb. I'll go out on a limb to say that the majority of us usually won't feel like rejoicing and being glad when we're in the midst of some of those things. Am I right? Because the thing is that that's not our idea of blessing. That's not your idea of a blessing. And so we laugh, we giggle, like, <laughs> I don't know about that. Like, I don't, I don't feel that way because it's not what we imagine. It's not what we desire. A lot of people have translated the, 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 the attitude and have given it a nickname of, of the be happy attitudes. We've heard people say that, right? The be happy attitudes. And um, we seem to transfer the word happy for the word blessed. But, if, I hate to bust the bubble here, but it's a poor translation. It's a poor translation, right? If you think of it, the word happy comes from the word hap, which is a Middle English word from the 1400s that means luck. Thank you. Mm. It's where we get the word happenstance, which means happenstance. Coincidence. It means coincidence. So in other words, what we're saying is happiness is dependent upon circumstances and luck. Is what we're saying when we kind of apply happiness and substitute it in blessing. It's kind of, we're saying that, you know, our happiness, our blessing is dependent on our circumstances and luck. But... The Beatitudes are no way chancy. It's, 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 no, it's, it's not about that. There's no sense of uncertainty to them whatsoever. When Jesus said, blessed are they, there's no, uh, there, there's no additional, like, uh, qualifying phrases, right? Like, you know, how sometimes we add into ours, right? You know, um, blessed are they if given the right circumstances, you know, blessed are they or blessed are you if you're, you know, over, you know, 60 and, you know, and you live, you know, in this world. Blessed are you. Like, we add, we add, we add things to it. And many times, we personally, we direct our, or, or in our minds, we, 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 we see happiness and blessings, we, we forge it into our way of looking at them, and, and, and we sound something like this. If only I had more money, I'd be blessed. 
I would be happier, right? We, we use the word happier. Remember, we use it, you know, so, so if I only had more money, I'd be happier. I don't know about you, but back in my day, there was a song that said, more money, more. <laughs> Everyone under 20 is like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. Don't look it up. Don't look it up. If I only had my health, I'd be happier. And that's, that's a common one, right? We were just talking on the car today. You know, our daughter doesn't stop moving. And, you know, we're like <sighs> trying to keep up with her. She wants to do everything all the time, every day. You know how humid it was yesterday? And she wanted to be out and about. And so we went out just for her. And we, we must have lost a couple pounds just walking in that humidity. It's just, it, but... But, you know, if I was only healthier, if I, was, if I was more in shape, I'd be happier. If only I was more successful, I'd be happier. If only my spouse were... Oh, no, no. <laughs> we're all happy. <laughs> that's, for, that's for another congregation. Maybe not us, no. If only my kids were... If only they would behave. If only they were obedient. If only they would just do what they were told, I'd be happier. If people were nicer these days, I think I could be happier if people were nicer. If God was nicer, <laughs> the list can go on and on and on on how we would be happier or feel more blessed in this life if only, if only. Yet what occurs to me is the fact that we're looking for happiness or we're looking for this blessing upon our own terms, not on God's terms. Yo, McDonald's, they had a stroke of genius when they created the Happy Meal. The Happy Meal. I mean, think about this. Think about the Happy Meal. Like, what parent, first of all, what kid does not want a Happy Meal? You say, you want a Happy Meal? Yes, I want a Happy Meal. They get happy thinking about the Happy Meal. I mean, do you guys see the psychology that it has, a psychological effect it has on our children? They get happy thinking that they're going to have, they're getting a Happy Meal. It already makes them happy. They're not even eating it yet. They don't have it in their hand, but they're happy. You say to them, I'll take you to McDonald's, I'll get you a Happy Meal. They're happy for the first four hours. And after that, it's like, are we going? Are we going? Are we going? Are we going? I mean, and then what, what parent would deny? What parent would deny their child such a healthy, nutritious meal that comes with a toy that lasts about an hour before it breaks? <laughs> think about this think about this just as children look forward to happy meals right we have been conditioned we have been conditioned through our life as adults now to look forward to the happy meals of life each of us are looking forward to 
the next happy meal, the next happy meal, the next happy meal. That's what we're doing. We try as hard as we can to then force fit our happy meal, right? We, 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 so if this is, let's say this is what I want. This is my happy meal. This is, you know, well, this, this is what it should be. But pretend this is something else, right? This, this is this. This is what I want. This is my happy meal. And then what we do is we try to force fit this into God's plan for our life. And how many of us experience such a frustration that we're in here trying to force fit this into, into what, what, what we feel should be God's plan for us. And God's like, no, there's no room for that. There's no room for that. Oh, nobody wants to see me happy. Nobody cares about what I want. Can I live? That's from last week. Or the week before that, and I lost track. We try to fit God's blessing. We try to fit his blessing into our concept of blessing, which is all jacked up. And we take our view of what it means to be blessed, and we automatically, we automatically think that it should be equal to God's way of blessing us. But it's not. It's not. When we think of being blessed, right, we think of gaining God's favor, right? Like, oh, I'm blessed. Everything's going great. God's favor is upon my life. It's not, and so we feel blessed, right? Um, we, or, we, or we feel like we we're in his good graces, right? Oh, I'm blessed. So we do all we can, or at least all that we think we can, according to human standards um, and our way of thinking to gain his favor and blessing. You understand? If we think that being blessed is having his favor, then what happens is we do everything that we humanly can to try to gain that favor and blessing. And this is, why exact, this is exactly why the Beatitudes don't sit right with us at first. It doesn't sit right with us. They are counter-cultural of what we hear and what we see and what we experience in today's world. That, that this is not what the world is teaching us. This is not what we're seeing every day on TV, in the neighborhood, online. This is not what we're, this is not what we're used to. This is not what we're being taught these days. So we struggle when we read these verses. We struggle because we don't consider those who are persecuted to be blessed. We don't consider those that are poor to be blessed. We don't consider those that are hungry or the meek or those that are mourning. We don't consider those people blessed. Instead, what do we do? We consider the strong and the mighty. Oh, they're blessed. Oh, man, I wish I had muscles like that guy. The rich, the successful, the attractive and famous. We look at them as like, oh, man, look how blessed they are. Oh, look at that hair. Look, you know, look at that hair. But Jesus asks us, are they blessed or are they happy? Are they blessed or are they happy? The problem is that we 
have put happy where blessed is. So for us, it's like, well, I'm blessed because I'm happy. But happy and blessed are not the same thing. We need to remember that what the word says about us suffering, right? First Peter 5.10 says, In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, anybody want to suffer a little while? Nobody wants to suffer? Nobody? Chris, Chris is ready to do it. Chris is ready. <laughs> After you've suffered a, a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. Amen. All right. What we need to understand is that in Jesus' day, and it still, sadly, it still happens today in some circles. But um, religion will often leave the marginalized out. Meaning, meaning religion was restricted to the in crowd. You know, if you wanted to be a part of this, you had to be, you had to be part of the, of the in squad. You, 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 had to, you had to know somebody. You had to be somebody. You know, you know, you were respected, you know, you had position, you had stature, and so therefore you had a place in religious circles. We've all read stories. When we read stories about the Pharisees and where the Pharisees were, the Pharisees were never in the areas where we see Jesus ministering at, right? Do you guys remember? When you read the stories of Jesus' ministry, many times he's ministering in a lot of areas that you never see the Pharisees step foot in. They were not cool enough. They were, they were dirty. They were unclean. They didn't have stature, position, or status. They, I mean, why, why would they be part of the religious circle? Those were the people who were looked, um, who, who, those were the people, the in crowd were the people who looked right, who wore the right clothes, who talked right. They had the right houses. They gave, they gave the right amount of money to the churches. Jesus made a mockery of all that. And now the kingdom welcomes all people, even the Gentiles. Think about what Jesus said, John 6, 37. However, those the Father has given me will, will come to me, and I will never reject them. I will never reject Do you see that? If you come to Jesus, you're not getting rejected. How many, well, don't, don't raise your hands, but how, there are many of us that, that have struggled with Fear of rejection. It's a real deal. It's a real thing. The fear of rejection is real. I, I, I know, right? But when I read this scripture, it says, I will never reject them. So I cannot speak for you or for you or for you or for you or for you. I can't speak for anyone other than I know that my king, my, my Christ, my, my savior says that he will never reject us. So for those that have a fear of, uh, of rejection, know that you will never be rejected by Christ, Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that, a, isn't that something that you can be like warm and fuzzy, sleep with it at night, cuddle with it, you know? He'll never reject you. He'll never cast you away. He'll never disown you. He'll never throw you out because you don't have the it of what 
the world may think that you need to have. It's really the central message that Jesus, that Jesus uh, from Jesus to us. It's like his mission statement almost, right? The spiritually poor, spiritually poor, bankrupt, deprived, the weeping ones, mourning, right? You're weeping, you're rejected, you're mourning, you're grieving, you're depressed, worn out. The meek, shy, the intimidated, unassertive, the wallflowers of the crew. We have some wallflowers in our church. It's okay. What wall doesn't need a little bit of flowering? (laughs) Those that are burning to see things right. Victims of an injustice or abuse. The ones who lay up at night replaying the horrible things that they see and they're hearing on the news, right? And, and, some, you know, and, and, and they just, it, it bothers them. There's merciful that, that are taken advantage of time and time again, right? They're too good for their, they're, they're too good for their own good because they're filled with kindness. We know some people like that. And you look at them like, man, you're just, you're just so nice. You're just so kind. And then, and then you get angry because you see how people take advantage of them. You see how people, they misuse that. They abuse that. The pure in heart, always seeing the good in others. The peacemakers, always giving up themselves, risking, getting caught in the middle to set things right. Blessed are the humanly hopeless as they experience the hand of God reaching into their messed up situation. The sick, the lonely, the marginal, the addicts, the misfits. Listen up. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven has broken into the earthly stage. And the power of heaven is ready to break into your life. When we look around and we see things like poverty, right? We look around and we see poverty. We see the tears, the meekness, and hunger. Where we would see hopelessness and a waste of time and effort, Jesus looks and he says, blessed. It doesn't make sense, though. Blessings are found for everyone. But the concept of blessing that we have because of society and because of what us substituting the word blessing and happiness, what happens is that, that you can only be blessed if things are going good. You're only blessed if things are going good. The Greek word for blessed is makaros, makaros. It means to be blessed by God. It's not random. It's not random. It's available for everyone, all people. Being blessed is independent of chance and changes in life, meaning it's not dependent on those things. Like it, it's, it's completely independent. When we say that Beatitudes describe the happy life, we're talking about a special kind of happiness, Not the world's happiness. It's the type of happiness that has nothing to do with chance. It's got nothing to do with circumstance. It doesn't depend upon wealth or health or achievements. 
Instead, the Beatitudes are about learning to experience God's blessings in a new and different way. Yet when we start examining the Beatitudes, we realize that Jesus' view of happiness, is, it's not something we get by pursuing it. Instead, it's actually the opposite. What I hear Jesus telling us is that we can experience true happiness and blessedness if we live according to the Beatitudes. If we place ourselves in our rightful, rightful place as God's servants, ready, willing, and able to serve God in whichever way he calls, and when we give God everything, and have every, and when we give God everything, we have, we have everything we are. We have and we everything we are. We won't find, we will find that we're blessed beyond that we could ever imagine. Think about this. First of all, think about the fact that who, who can say that they're there right now? Who can say, Lord, I'm present, I'm ready, I'm willing, I'm available to serve in whatever way you call, Whatever you ask of me, Lord, I'm listening, and I'm going to be obedient. Don't raise your hands, please. Because the reality is, it's hard for us. It's hard for us because that's not, that's not what we're seeing out here. We're, we're being taught to, like, look out for yourself. We're being taught to do you first. We're being taught to get your stuff together, and then maybe you can help someone else. You know, it's, it's that airplane mentality, right? You know, when the thing comes down, they say, don't help your children, help yourself and then your children, right? That's what they say, right? But the thing is that, that that's almost transferring into the way that we live life. We're like, well, we got to help ourselves out first, and then I'll be able to help someone. But that goes contrary to the teachings of God. It, it goes contrary to what, what the Word is telling us. It doesn't say help yourself first and then help someone else. It says to be selfless. It's not looking around your home, right? Like when we, when we still go, listen, when we still go through difficult times, right, we, 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 we can be blessed through those difficult times. It's like, it's not looking around your home and saying, wow, look at everything that I have. I'm truly blessed. Maybe you have an abundance materially, but the question is, what are you doing with that abundance, like, what are you doing with that abundance? You see, I look at it as like, yeah, it's a blessing. But is it being a blessing? It, it may be a blessing, but are, are you being a blessing? Like, why, why did he give you? Why, why do you have all that? What is the purpose of having all that? Isn't that the real call of God? Many people have cursed their own wealth because they were never content. There was, a, there was an interview with John Rockefeller. They, uh, they were asking John Rockefeller, if you guys don't know, very wealthy family, the Rockefellers, New York, right? Um, they, 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 they were asking John Rockefeller, like, when do you think enough money will be enough? Something, you know. And he answered them and he says, he, he kind of chuckled and he said, just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. And, you know, I didn't do the research to tell you how much he was worth and things like that. But, you know, just, just know it was up there. But he wasn't satisfied. He wasn't satisfied. Just a little bit more is what he kept saying. 
when some consider the Beatitudes, they think <laughs> they think they are only about us. But when I look at the Beatitudes, right, what I see is the very life Jesus was willing to live. Like, he lived these things. Like, like here he is telling us and speaking this Sermon on the Mount. He's got his platform, and he's teaching us, but everything that he's saying, he lived. He lived. You know what it is? You, you know how it is when someone's talking and talking, and you're watching them like, bro, you, didn't even, you don't even do those things. <laughs> you know how you get the squinty eye? You know how some of you guys, some of you guys get the squinty eye going on, and you guys like, and the, and the mouth starts to curl up, and you're listening to someone talk, and you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You don't even do these things, and you're telling us, and you kind of get a little angry, and it almost makes you not want to even pay attention or have anything to do with it, even if it's good things that they're saying, but because they don't do it, it damaged everything. That's the complete opposite here. We can see and read Jesus' words and say, not only did he, is he telling us to live this way, he lived this way. He's not only guiding us, he led us by his example. So I see God's character within the difficult words, because some of us, it's, it's still difficult. It's still difficult to think that we can be blessed in the midst of these circumstances, right? But I see, I see God's character. The Beatitudes reveal more about God and more about the very difficult people that we should strive to become. In closing, in closing, Jesus is proclaiming to all who are willing to listen. It's like if you're willing to listen, that the old order is gone and the new has come. Those who are being persecuted for his sake, those who are poor in spirit, those who mourn, those who are hungry and thirst for righteousness, those who put aside their own power and status, have an opportunity to experience a greater presence of Christ. Why? Because they're following the call and the way of Christ. What better way to experience Christ than to live the way he lived, to do the things he did? I, I mean, think about it. Think about it. What greater way to feel closer to our Savior than to, than to not only read the words that he spoke, but to live it out the way he lived that out. The Beatitudes are more about uh, us opening a window, a new window of opportunity through which we may view the new landscape that Jesus calls the kingdom of heaven, right? If we are to be truly blessed, it will not occur as the world dictates. It's not going to be the way the world says. And, and I think the first step, the first step in, in, in understanding God's blessing is, is shutting out all the influences that we've had of the world and refocusing our direction into the word of God. 
Because the reality is that many of us are not even reading the word. Like, like we're not reading. But I know we can binge on Netflix. I know. I, 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 right? I do it. I do it. So if I'm doing it, I know some people, somebody else is doing it. I'm not alone in the world. I'm not the only Netflix binger. But I know that if I don't catch myself, it'll be weekendful, days. Are we as excited? Oh, man, there was a clip I saw about someone comparing the phone and the Bible. If only we would, if it was switched, right? So think about this. Like, we drive to work, we get in the car, we drive a couple blocks, you forget your phone. Oh my goodness! No matter how late, you can't, no matter how, you're gonna, it's going to be later. You're going to go back and get your phone. But we could care less if we have the word on us or not. We can care less if we have the word on us or not. <laughs> Every five seconds, when we take a break, we take a look at our phone. How would our lives be if every five seconds we take a break and you just take a look at the word? I'm not doing this, but I saw this, I saw, I saw what that, what, and it impacted me like, man, the things that we're feeding ourselves. Remember we said in the beginning, fill me up. And I was like, we're filling ourselves up with all the wrong things. Do you know, I, I, I'm almost tempted to just say it like this, but we are, listen, I, I look at it like this. There's so much that we are experiencing health-wise, mentally, socially, like, you know, all sorts of things, even some sicknesses, even some disorders, whatever the case may be, that possibly would not even exist if you were consecrated in the word of God. Now, you're like, well, I don't know how, to, well, let me tell you, let me, let me give you a simple example. The Bible tells me that fear does not come from God, right? That's what the Bible tells me. The Bible tells me that fear doesn't come from the word of God, I'm from, from God. And, 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 and there have been people so scared that have allowed fear to overwhelm them in such a way that it has affected them psychologically. And people have, have now, you know, there are now disorders and things happening as a result of fear. Bible tells me that we are to forgive, right? Because we have, too have been forgiven. There have been people that have refused to forgive. I will not forgive. I can't forgive what they did to me. I'm going to hold it to the end. I'm going to hold it. And then what happens is that unforgiveness turns into bitterness, and that bitterness begins to take root in people. And there have been even studies that show that bitter people are sicker people. So, so if we were to be consecrated, if we would be full of the word of God, then maybe fear wouldn't overwhelm you or overtake you because you would identify it the second that you would start to feel it and say, whoa, that's not from God. I reject and rebuke that. 
And then when you start to feel experiences like uh, about uh, uh, forgiving, like, I really, it's really hurt me, but the word tells me to forgive you because I've been forgiven. And so I'm going to forgive you. I'm not going to hold on to it. I'm going I'm to be set free from it. I'm not going to be a prisoner within my own unforgiveness because the other person could care less. I'm telling you right now. And because I'm going to set myself free by forgiving you, I'm not going to be led to other things that could come from it. Through faith, we need to come to grips with the reality of God's kingdom. His kingdom on earth and in heaven. And we need to be ready to have our hearts and our minds transformed. His way, his way, not ours. Luke chapter 26, 26 says, What sorrow awaits you who are praised by the crowds, for their ancestors also praised false prophets. Now, I read this verse because sometimes we're so busy pursuing all the things that we think are blessings. We pursue, we're pursuing like this, this fame, this, 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 this stature, this, this, you know, this status in life. We, we want the people to, to, all, to either know us, to, to love me, and, 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 to, and, to, and to just, I mean, his word says, what sorrow awaits you who are praised by the crowds. The way of Jesus is more about self-denial. Can it, can it not be about you for a moment? Do you think, do you think we could do that? Can, can, can it be about someone else? Oh, but pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. Um, I, I get it. But, can it, but but can it still be about someone else right now? Can, can you find a way in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your circumstance, in the midst of your rocky situations, can you find a spot to be like, hold on a second. Lord, you know my brother Al been struggling this week. Lord, I just ask that you just really... Speak to him, comfort his heart, remind him, Father God, that, you, you know, that you're there. And I, 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 at this moment, yes, this may be a serious thing that I'm going through. But what happens is even in our walk with God, we are all, we, we are selfish Christians. We're selfish. Think about your prayers. How much of your prayers are about you? How much are we praying for other people, for his, for his will to be done in the lives of others? Because, you know, Lord, let your will be done. You know what I need. You know what I want. You know where I want to go on vacation. Puerto Rico, without the kids, I'll just leave with my mom. <laughs> Yo, Rachel, I know Rachel's going to She's watching this or we'll watch it, but Rachel, Rachel's blessed. This is why the Beatitudes are so foreign to us. They don't fit our mold of what it looks like or feels like to be blessed. 
the more wrapped up we get in today's culture, into in society's way of happiness or blessing, the more we get wrapped up with that, the more difficult it will be to grasp what Jesus means through these verses. My prayer is that we would all say something like this. God, as I study this sermon, as I meditate on this word, and those that are to come in the following weeks, teach me, transform me, help me to live out these beatitudes. Make me a humble servant. Remind me every day how dependent I am on your grace. Enable, to be, enable me to be a peacemaker. Help me to love people. Even those annoying, demanding, difficult, sinful people. Even people that hurt you. How many of us this morning can really say, God, help me to live my faith. Like, help me to live my faith. Even if that brings hardship and persecution. I don't know how much of us, you know, that's hard. Help me to live my faith even if it brings hardship and persecution. Help me be a living version of your message. How many of us can say, Lord, help me bring you glory and honor as I experience your version of living the blessed life. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're speaking to us, Lord, that you're reminding us, Lord Jesus, that what the world says is happy and blessing isn't what you're referring to. Lord, help us to understand and to surrender ourselves to you and to your plans and to, and, to experience, and to truly embrace your blessings as opposed to chasing what the world says is blessing. Touch our hearts this morning, Lord God. Thank you for your word. Let it take root in our hearts. May we meditate on it throughout the week. Continue to speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen.